0: Investigate Joe Rogan. Today I will be continuing my fact checking of episode 1255, aka Alex Jones Returns. And this episode will mostly be about the incorrect things Alex Jones said about World War II and some further details about some correct things he said about World War II that I thought were interesting. For starters, Rogan at one point wonders if the Nazis tried combining people with animals to create super people, and he also says that he thinks governments give soldiers steroids and amphetamines, and that the kamikaze pilots were on amphetamines, and Alex Jones agrees with all this, and makes the sort of enigmatic statement that warfare is always drugs. And while I could not find anything about Nazi animal experiments, I do not think that is real, It is true that at various times in history, governments have given soldiers drugs. I could not find anything about the current government giving soldiers drugs, but in Vietnam, which is somewhat recent, soldiers got speed, and (laughs) these so-called PEP pills were used for long-range reconnaissance missions. And some soldiers also got medical kits that had codeine and dexedrine in them. And some units also just got steroids before long missions in Vietnam. And this was probably a terrible idea. To quote the Atlantic article, The Drugs That Built a Super Soldier, amphetamine, as some veterans claimed, increased aggression as well as alertness. Some remembered that when the effect of speed faded away, they were so irritated that they felt like shooting children in the streets. So they definitely uh, gave soldiers drugs in Vietnam, possibly with horrible side effects. And with things like this, people have a tendency to say, oh, well, if it was confirmed happening in the past, then I bet the government is still doing it today. Just like it was a secret in the past, it's probably just a secret today and we don't know about it. And I do understand where this sort of reasoning is coming from, but I would need to see some sort of evidence that the government is giving current soldiers drugs before I believed it. And as for the idea that the kamikazes were on amphetamines, pretty much during World War II, every military was giving people amphetamines. The U.S., the Germans, like I talked about last episode, Japan... Everyone was on amphetamines at the time. It was just a crazy time. So it's possible that some kamikazes were on drugs, but it was not some sort of kamikaze-specific forbidden technique or anything. Other things that are not forbidden kamikaze techniques include MSG, which Alex Jones says is super toxic and was given to Japanese soldiers And MSG is not toxic. It's actually safe to eat. They have done all kinds of double-blind tests with placebos and everything. So you can eat MSG if you want. And it could have been given to Japanese soldiers. It could have been in rations. But, I mean, it wouldn't do anything. You could just eat it raw. It would not do anything. You can't do MSG. I I really don't know where he's getting this from. Later, they talk about Eisenhower's farewell address, something that has come up in many a JRE episode and just conversation about conspiracies in general. And Alex Jones points out that he does not just warn against the military-industrial complex. He also warns against techno-elite. And I wanted to read the actual quote because they do not in the episode, and I thought it was interesting. Eisenhower said, "...the prospect of domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment, project allocations, and the power of money, is ever-present and is gravely to be regarded. Yet, in holding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger, that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific, technological elite. It is the task of statesmanship to mold, to balance, and to integrate these and other forces new and old, within the principles of our democratic system, ever aiming toward the supreme goals of our free society. So I thought this was pretty interesting and underrated as far as things brought up in this speech. Because you always hear about the military-industrial complex, but you don't usually hear about this. I think this relates to the idea some people have that one of the hidden downsides of the military-industrial complex is that it has essentially wasted multiple generations of brilliant minds on military things, where they could be making stuff that normal consumers and citizens could use. Another lesser-quoted portion of his speech that I found while reading it and thought was interesting was this section about debt. He said that, quote, Another factor in maintaining balance involves the element of time. As we peer into society's future, we, you and I, and our government must avoid the impulse to live only for today, plundering for our own ease and convenience the precious resources of tomorrow. We cannot mortgage the material assets of our grandchildren without risking the loss also of their political and spiritual heritage. We want democracy to survive for all generations to come not to become the insolvent phantom of tomorrow. So Eisenhower seems to have viewed debt as an existential threat, just as much as the military-industrial complex. Really, it's just a pretty good speech overall, and I think that warning is also underrated. But returning to the Axis powers, Alex Jones says it is mainstream history, quote, "...in the literature." that Hitler thought he was in contact with aliens. It is somewhat unclear as to whether or not Alex Jones himself thought that Hitler was in contact with aliens. Because a couple times during the podcast he says, oh, now I don't think that the elites are contacting interdimensional beings with drugs. They think they are. But then other times he seems to be sincerely warning against the dangers that these interdimensional beings pose. And I really can't tell where he personally stands. He's sort of all over the place. But regardless, I did not expect to find anything online about this. And I did not. But Alex Jones said in the podcast that he has various documents and literature that proves this and that he would mail it to joe rogan so he doesn't really claim that it's something you can just find online i i really wonder if after this podcast rogan ever got that mail a week after this was recorded did he just get a huge box in the mail from alex jones full of esoteric nazi writings i guess we'll never know but if you have any of these documents, if you have any of this stuff, please email me, investigatejoerogan at gmail.com, because I want to know. I want to know about the, the secret of Hitler. And Eddie Bravo supports this idea as well, and he says to look into the Vril Society, which I did. Thanks, Eddie Bravo. And there are things to be found about this online, even if you can't really find much about it. Hitler's connection to aliens. So Vril is a concept from a 1871 science fiction book called The Coming Race, which is about this dude who goes underground and he discovers this subterranean human society that runs off of Vril, which is a sort of telepathic, psychokinetic ability that they all have that lets them destroy things and read minds and heal people. And they tell the explorer guy that eventually they're going to come above ground and they're going to use their superior psychic powers to take over the surface of the earth. And there were really people who thought that Vril was real. So people, Eddie Bravo is not the only one, say that there was a Vril society in the Weimar Republic that was focused around this book and this substance or whatever you want to call it and we're trying to find it. And in my opinion, there is really only one thing that comes close to being real evidence. And that is... An article that popular science writer Willie Leigh wrote. And Willie Ley moved from Germany to the US in 1935 because he did not like the Nazis. And he wrote an article called Pseudoscience in Nazi Land. And in it he says that there was a group of people in the Weimar Republic who thought who thought Vrilla was real and they were looking for it. Basically, the real society, and he portrays it as this big dumb thing. Oh, these people took this fictional book so seriously that they're actually looking for it. Like if someone watched Star Wars and then actually thought that the Force was real, he thought they were he, th- he thought they were dummies basically. But this guy might not be the best source. He was very skeptical of this particular pseudoscience. However, he himself was a proponent of various other pseudosciences. For instance, he believed that dinosaurs were still around. This has come up in three episodes now, the idea that dinosaurs are still around. I'm not sure why it keeps coming up. But anyway, I think it sort of calls this guy's legitimacy into question. And he also didn't really have any evidence. He doesn't name any names. He doesn't have any pictures or anything. He's just a guy who actually lived there and said it was around. And the quality of evidence falls off really sharply from here. The next uh, biggest thing that talks about this is the 1960 book, The Morning of the Magicians, which is a pretty famous book in conspiracy land and it puts forward this idea that there was a real society that nazis were involved in like um like willie lay they don't have any legit evidence or names or anything and then after this if you want to look for evidence you pretty much just have to go around these websites with black backgrounds and non-black text You know, those sorts of websites. And the goal of the Vril Society varies depending on who you ask. Some say that they were legitimately trying to find real mole people, like in the book. Or Atlanteans. The most common uh, cause that they're said to have had was finding Vril, unlocking their own psychokinetic powers which is pretty, pretty standard for occult stuff, you know, the power within, like that episode of Spongebob, you know, the power within. But any, anyway, I think, I think it may have existed. There were other crazy things that went on in Nazi land, but there's no real compelling reason to think that it was a big thing and that there were prominent Nazis involved or whatever. So I'll kind of give this a maybe. I'll give Eddie Bravo a, a little bit of a maybe on this one. Eddie Bravo also says that the Nazis made flying saucers. And this is another thing that's talked about in Morning of the Magicians and sort of related to the Vril Society by some people. And the real source of this idea is the Foo Fighters. And Foo Fighters is a name that was given to something that a lot of World War II pilots were seeing. They reported seeing these big floating fireballs, is basically how they're described by pilots. And there were so many of these cases that there were real military investigations into these so-called Foo Fighters, not like tinfoil hat Internet people investigations. Legit military investigations. And it was thought that they could be new Nazi weapons, like secret Luftwaffen projects, that at some point were going to actually do something. Because they never hit planes or anything. They were just floating around, and sometimes pilots said they would follow them. But the military was pretty spooked at the time. So they looked into it, and... They, one of the reasons they concluded that it was not a Nazi weapon was that Nazi pilots and Japanese pilots also reported seeing this stuff. So I think that's a pretty good argument against it not being some sort of secret Nazi thing. And there's also, obviously, there's natural explanations for it. People say it's St. Elmo's fire or ball lightning or whatever. And in general, I I just think it's a pretty big coincidence that there were all of these UFO sightings during World War II when there was probably more stuff going on in the air than ever in history. You know, explosions and shrapnel and tons of pilots and dogfights and stuff. It's not that crazy to me that they would be seeing UFOs. I don't really find this to be... Very compelling evidence for aliens. But if you want to say that the Nazis made a flying saucer, you could sort of say that the SAC AS-6 is sort of a flying saucer. This is sort of an instance where the medium of podcast is failing me. But if you just picture a normal plane, imagine that instead of wings that they go straight out, it just has half circles attached to the sides... It really does sort of look like a flying saucer. And this was never mass produced or used in combat or anything, but they did make it. So in a sense, they made a flying saucer, if you want to call it that. But beyond that, I don't think there's much serious evidence. They also talk about the bombing of Dresden. And Alex Jones says that Dresden was a designated safe space for kids and that half a million people died. And the first thing is sort of true. Dresden was not a designated safe zone, but it was full of refugees at the time who were running away from the Russians, and this was known to the Allies. So they did bomb Dresden knowing that it was full of refugees. But the half a million Death toll is totally wrong. It's actually about 25,000 people. This is what city officials at the time reported. This is what modern historians think. And the 500,000 number is really just the propaganda number. And even David Irving, who's a big Holocaust denier guy and was a proponent of the half a million number, even he took it back and said, yeah, I was looking at these propaganda numbers, but the real number is about 25,000. So pretty much nobody really goes for this half a million number anymore. This isn't to say that Dresden was justified. That, that pretty much goes beyond the scope of this podcast, and I'm not saying that. But 25,000 is way different than half a million. 25,000 is still really brutal, but it is very different than half a million people. Alex Jones also says that Edward VIII was a Nazi, and this is pretty much true. He was a big-time Nazi sympathizer. The The best quote I could find <laughs> that really, I think, sums it all up in in one is he said, quote, I never thought Hitler was such a bad chap. And I think that's such a, such a British thing to say. I think that was just really funny. And the British government sent him off to be the governor of the Bahamas from 1940 to 1945, basically because they were embarrassed by how much of a Nazi sympathizer he was and just didn't want to deal with him. So they just shipped him off. So he, he was chilling on a beach for most of World War II. And there was a Nazi plot to make him king, because he was so friendly. And Hitler thought that if he was the king of England, maybe some sort of a treaty could be worked out. But, of course, that didn't end up happening. Alex Jones connects this to Rudolf Hess, somehow, who he says parachuted into a castle with a peace treaty signed by the king. But then he went to jail and got locked in a tower forever. And I was surprised to find that this is sort of true. This is not really what happened, but Alex Jones has the basic details right here. Rudolf Hess was the deputy Führer, and he flew a plane himself to England secretly, without Hitler's knowledge or permission, and then parachuted out in Scotland, And his goal was to just negotiate a peace treaty with England himself because he thought a two-front war would be unwinnable. And, I mean, in hindsight, he was totally right, which isn't exactly rare when you look at things Hitler's generals tried to do. But basically what happened was he parachuted out, he tried to set up independent negotiations, and then he just went to jail. And Hitler was apparently furious when he found out about this, like full-on downfall rant mode. And he disowned him. He said that if he was ever seen in Germany again, he was to be shot on sight. So this is very much a real thing that happened, even if Alex Jones has the details wrong. Even the castle part is true. He was briefly a prisoner at the Tower of London, and is considered to be the last state prisoner ever held at the castle, which I thought was pretty interesting. The last couple things I'll talk about do not pertain to World War II. A couple real quick things. Eddie Bravo said that YouTube is demonetizing videos with the words truth and liberty in them, and that they're going after 9-11 and miracle cure videos, but that they are actively pushing alien videos. And Alex Jones agreed with this. And this is partially true. Some of this is true. To quote YouTube about a year ago. We'll begin reducing recommendations of borderline content and content that could misinform users in harmful ways, such as videos promoting a phony miracle cure for a serious illness, claiming the earth is flat, or making blatantly false claims about historic events like 9-11. So it is true that they're targeting conspiracy videos, but I could not find anything about them targeting videos with the words truth and liberty in the title. I also could not find anything about them actively promoting alien videos. I do not know where they're getting that from. I do not know why YouTube would do this. I can't even really find a reason for this if you assume that Alex Jones's whole big enchilada conspiracy thing is true? I really just don't know. But the idea that they are trying to clean up conspiracies stuff from YouTube is pretty much true. However, a year on, has it really worked? There's still tons of 9-11 and Flat Earth stuff on YouTube. I don't... I don't think this really accomplished anything. So if you're a flat earther or a 9-11 truther, I wouldn't be too worried about this. I don't see this really going anywhere. And if it was going to have any effect, I think it would probably have the exact opposite effect. I'm not the first person to point this out. But when you have people who are very paranoid and very skeptical of authority and they think everyone is out to get them. When the powers that be actually come out and try and get them, it does not make them think that they're wrong. It just, it just validates their beliefs even more. Because they say, oh, why are we being censored? It's because we have the truth, and they know, and they don't want it getting out. YouTube's reasoning could be that they don't want impressionable kids or whatever picking up on this sort of stuff, but I think it's, it's too late to put the cat in the bag now. I think anybody who wants to get rid of these conspiracies, well, it might be impossible, but if you want to get rid of these conspiracies, you should take the Mick West approach, the Metabunk guy, who just lays out all the facts and points out why he thinks things are wrong. You don't need to ban anyone or whatever. But I mean, if if you're listening to this, you probably already have that opinion, so whatever. The real last thing I'll talk about is a theory I have about Alex Jones. I think Alex Jones's thinking has been heavily influenced by the book Dune. There is, there is real reason to think this, so hold on. In this episode... He talks about race memories, and he says that he thinks people are a sort of colony of all their ancestors, and that you can access these memories, and that he has done so in dreams. This is a big part of, of Dune, especially the later Dune books. He also talks about psychedelic drugs being connected to advanced technology He says that he has seen the future in dreams. These are also big things in Dune. Now, I I get that Dune is not the only source of these sorts of ideas. However, in the first Alex Jones episode, he mentions Gidi Prime, which is a planet in Dune. So he has definitely read Dune. Gidi Prime isn't something like Tatooine where a rando who has never seen Star Wars would still know about Tatooine from popular culture. Dune isn't that big. If you know about Geedy Prime, you're into Dune. Or that one Grimes album that's called Geedy Primes. But I I highly doubt Alex Jones listens to Grimes. So I think he has definitely read Dune. And I think he is getting some of these ideas from Dune. And I really can't blame him. Dune is really cool. So... It's understandable if you let it influence your thinking about politics and the universe a little bit too much. I may be wrong here. I, I may This may be a bit of a stretch, and really I'm the one who's thinking about Dune too much. But I wanted to put this out there, because I, I think there is a real reason to think this. But anyway, I will probably do one more episode about alex jones and eddie bravo based on the amount of notes i have left and then after that if there's more recent episodes that look interesting i'll cover those if not i might look at some other famous past episodes i'm not sure we'll see